Scripture tells us to stand at the gates of death and to speak for the voiceless. Senate Bill 391 is a bill that would completely and totally abolish abortion in the state of Missouri. Roe v. Wade did not legalize abortion. The pro-life bills legalize it because now it's in the state laws. When Roe v. Wade was ruled on back in, I forget the year, 73 or 74, when it was ruled on, all that was was a Supreme Court opinion. Um, it is not law. You know, the, the, the judicial branch does not make law. They simply render opinions. And so what should have happened when that ruling was made was the state sh should have said, um, no, that is an ungodly and an unconstitutional ruling and opinion, and it has no force and no effect in our state. And that ruling would have had no legal bind, uh, binding on the states. Instead, the states accepted the Supreme Court ruling, and then over the last 30, 40 years, the pro-life movement has begun to make all these bills heartbeat bills, 20-week bans, whatever they may be. And what they do is they come in and they now actually legalize abortion. A lot of people have been real excited about heartbeat bills, about even people stating, even the Christian Post had stated something that just wasn't true, that Missouri is the first no abortion state. Well, that's false. Uh, and for reasons uh, being that we still have individuals in the state of Missouri at Planned Parenthood that can give, of course, pills. The other thing that they'll often say is, well, science says, science says. Well, science does say. You just don't want to listen to the science, which says that at the point of conception, all of the necessary DNA genetic material that you and I both possess is available right there. All you need is time and dependence. Because as Christians, when we support a pro-life bill that is not an abolition bill, we are saying murder is okay up until there's a heartbeat, or murder is okay as long as the facility is clean enough. And that is not a godly or a Christian position. Uh, because the image that God has placed upon humanity is that of, of His, like we are image bearers. We care about life. Welcome everybody to the Tag Your It podcast. I am Ray Ray. I am Dave. And, Thank uh, you. Yeah. And Gala so, for yeah. that amazing video. And Josh, you are an eloquent speaker, powerful communicator. I am so grateful. I look better because uh, I'm on there with you. So yeah. I just like I always look better because I'm on here with, with Adam. Adam Adam makes yeah. me look better than what I am yeah, as I'm the, a I'm communicator. The, uh, and yeah, I'm the ugly friend, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you guys uh, for joining us uh, again on the Tag Your It podcast. And yes, uh, we have Senate Bill 391. And so in this episode that we are doing, this is a potpourri. So we are going to talk about all over the place, a bunch of things. Um, but first, uh, we wanted to show or share uh, the the audio from the uh, video that uh, Gayla Pruitt put together uh, for the abolition bill 391, the House or the Senate bill 391 yes. here in the state of Missouri. We do have the opportunity to stand up and uh, voice 
be a voice for the voiceless uh, here in the state of Missouri. So I so, want to yeah. state very clearly, there is an opportunity. If you listen to this podcast, if you see the live stream, you have an opportunity in this month on the 10th of March at the state capitol in the rotundra at two o'clock to 4 p.m there is going to be an abolish abortion rally abolish abortion missouri rally mike moon is going to speak joshua jenkins kevin myers all the way from kansas uh, paul cromer brandon dodd rusty thomas all of these individuals, uh, Mike Moon, and of course, Wes Scroggins is going to speak there in the Rotundra. We are going to get the opportunity to demonstrate that we are serious about our conviction to abolish abortion in Missouri. Mm-hmm. If you listen to this podcast and you cannot make it, invite your friends. Let them know about this rally because it is an opportunity for us to actually make a bit of a difference here, to mm-hmm. actually show the magistrate in the state of Missouri that this should be a state that fears the Lord and loves and preserves life. There is nothing that we could do uh, besides share the gospel that I think would be more vital to actually make an influence and an impact. We live in a crazy time. As so many people have said, even on the the podcast that Adam uh, recorded of the God and Government Conference, so many states have legalized abortion, even though it's illegal federally. Mm -hmm. In the state of Missouri, we have an opportunity with Senate Bill 391. Am I correct? 391. I always get the other one uh, confused with it. Senate Bill 391 to actually do something about abortion, to actually stop abortion. And so I want to encourage everyone, share the podcast. If only to get that video that we played at the beginning out and do everything you can to tell your pastor, to tell anyone in your church to be there at the state capitol on the 10th of March from 2 to 4 p.m. for the Abolish Abortion Missouri uh, rally. Mm. Uh, Please be there. I think it'll be a great thing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, there's also, uh, just uh, just to put it out there, um, you can you've got a you got a cell phone right you've got email you've got all that and you can go to the uh government website the missouri missouri.gov whatever and find out who your representatives are who your senators are um who are these people you can get their phone numbers and just make quick calls you can make quick emails just going there's a senate bill we'd like to see you know like if we can get a bunch of people in one little district to go, hey, do this, do this. And we know uh, Mike Moon has said, you know, eight times, you know, eight eight conversations, get to know people. We don't have to railroad them and, and buzz their head off with it, but we can send nice toned emails going, hey, here's a Senate bill. Here's people in your district. Will you please represent us and help Mike Moon and support his bill to criminalize abortion here in Missouri. And that's all it takes is this is, we actually can play a part. Yes. Um, don't be in despair um, that we, <clears throat> we can't do anything, uh, but you can't do anything if you don't do anything. And so <laughs> let's, you know, the only thing you'll do yeah. is nothing if you don't do anything. Yeah. yeah. So, so you're doing yeah. something, but it's yeah. really nothing. <laughs> yeah. So let's call, Sorry. let's email, uh, text, um, let's find them in the, in the public. You know, if you, if you uh, are able to be around these folks um you know just to mention it to them um and we can do this um in christian love and show them um how even if we disagree now um there is room for repentance and love and the ability to still have a conversation and to again hopefully get this uh bill supported so that we can criminalize abortion in the state of missouri uh, you know, in submission to God's so, law. Yes. That's the the, yes. the the big thing is protecting yeah. life in submission to God's law, honoring yeah. the image of God that is in all human beings. And you are human at the point of conception by science, but yeah. more importantly, because the authority of God's word says that that's the case. Yeah. So, Adam, I'm going to switch subjects now because we are potpourri all yes. over the place. Yes. You had the awesome opportunity only because, you know, you were the one who was taking the opportunity. It was an awesome opportunity. You got to speak into the class that I teach at Spurgeon College. You shared with us a little bit about uh, objectivity or the objective nature of logic. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I know we're going to have a recording of that, but tell us just a little bit about 
what you shared with my class, give a little bit of a teaser here. Yeah, little, uh, yeah. Thursday night, you called into my great, great, <laughs> great class, uh, informal logic and reasoning, and you talked to us about the objective nature of logic and how, of course, the laws of logic are very clearly demonstrated in scripture yeah yeah and hey, what, what got me into this so you know he asked me to speak for his class and uh, give him a lecture on something to do um, especially with the laws of logic and so i did my research as all researchers should do is do good research and know their people that they're talking to so the cool thing is is Dave's got this uh, Douglas Wilson uh, intro to logic book. So I bought it. I bought the student handbook. I wanted to know what the students were being told and what they were learning, how they were learning it. And, uh, you know, it's Douglas Wilson. So I'm like, Hey, well, that's, that's a, that's awesome for one. That's exactly, Uh, there's not a better logic book. Yeah. Yeah. I will. I will objectively make that claim. (laughs) Not a, there is not a better informal logic and reasoning book for, college students yeah sorry and yeah and 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 it looks really good and uh, but the thing was there was one little issue i have with it and i told the students i do not want to have i mean there's already a baptism issue (laughs) we'd have with uh douglas douglas wilson but i didn't want to have this issue um with them and it's one of those things that maybe there could be a paper written um there could be emails and and something shared to where maybe there could be a conversation be really interesting um, yeah to help but we'll see where that goes anyway <laughs> Dave has challenged me in that anyway um, but there is a issue that it says that the Bible never explicitly comes out and says God is logical or God is rational and I beg to differ and so that's what I uh, shared with the students and that's what I'll end up I'm going to take what I did there and it was like 20 minutes yeah it was great you know? great and, timing and students so were like, engaged and interested mm-hmm. the whole yeah. time yeah so what I'm going to do is just take that since it's very directed at them and using certain nomenclature certain language i'm going to take that and actually just make it into a quick uh podcast form for this audience um so it'll seem it'll it'll be more clear uh that way and see what see what comes up um in the future with it maybe writing a paper or something like that but it was really awesome to to go into a college classroom as somebody that's again adam not, you not classically have- trained or whatever but it's it was awesome to be a part of a student's life so you are a published apologist you yeah. have spoken at the chapel at southwest baptist university you have now spoken at spurgeon college slash midwestern baptist theological <laughs> seminary awesome no, very good stuff yeah, and not, see to me that's yeah. one of the things that i think is so cool and i want to say it again and again is Adam's apologetic training is is homeschool. Yeah. But it's very useful and it's very real. And the apologist should continue to be in God's word so they can communicate God's word and build up pe- other people so that they can present the gospel. And that's exactly yeah. what apologetics is about. And maybe some people get a little tired of that, but that's where we are and we're happy to continue to be here. Mm-hmm. Because today, four years ago, mm-hmm. I was at... I don't know what the student plaster student union at at Missouri state university and I debated at seven o'clock in just a little while. I was probably there in the union at this particular point and I debated the, the resolution resolved a commitment to faith is required for the pursuit of happiness. My very first debate, the birthplace of tag, your birthplace of tag, your ministries. So yeah, they're in plaster student union. Yeah. So right before this is like a week before that, where we met up at coffee ethic and met each other for the first time and talked about the Missouri Baptist apologetics network, talked about this debate and stuff. And so at this time I was, I had, I had your papers. You gave me a yeah. copy of your case. We talked through some stuff, yeah. Yeah, and then I was sitting in PSU um, with my buddy Tyler Island sitting right next to me at the time, and we we were discussing, you know, okay, what what should we expect, and you know, what can we do um, as listeners in this debate, and you know, possibly approaching a mic and all that kind of stuff. So best yeah. line when the lady tells me, "I came tonight." hoping for a debate and all you've done is preach yeah (laughs) i go thank you yeah and everybody's like whoa he's he's not embarrassed by preaching oh man well what a blessing it was to get that opportunity i I don't know if you remember this but when we met at coffee ethic my voice was shot Mm -hmm. do you remember that at all yeah i had been sick 
And I was like, really hoarse and raspy. And I thought, this guy's going to think like, whoa, boy, they'll let anybody in that apologetics network. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to march into this thing. Yeah. Had yeah. no clue. You know, it's funny. We, uh, so much of Adam's ideas here, uh, and we're so grateful for that. And now I will be teaching and observing debates there at the mm-hmm. uh, Spurgeon College campus. Uh, it'll be awesome. And you, sir, preached last yeah. night. Yes. And yes, how did Sunday that go? Night, that was that was awesome, and it was a good exhortation time. And so, um, one thing I I told him because I I went through First Peter, and First Peter again is where you get First Peter three fifteen, where you get your major uh, verse of uh, apologetics. Right, every every apologetics talk seems to start with that one, even though I'd like to take it to the Great Commission first. Amen. Um, uh, but the cool thing is what I, you know, I utilize the diamond and the facets and stuff like that in, in the language um, in apologetics. And I got to be like, well, that's the cool thing about First Peter is apologetics is just one facet and a diamond of exhortation and then talk to them about the church and, and uh, what came out of that. So it's really awesome that, uh, you know, and what I did, I still defended the faith not talking about apologetics but actually doing it and talking about what elders were you know what god would have his elders to be and then what god would have them to be and then what came out of that was some really cool uh little in the spirit uh just thoughts that that came out of my mouth and i was able to exhort and uh put people into a certain mindset thinking about what is the mission um that they are called to do as a congregation underneath the headship of a oversight shepherd so. i'm still struggling do i look here or do i look over at adam I, I, i'm glad to do Move both around. it's it's great me and adam uh so we have a pretty exciting other thing to announce and if you are just listening to the podcast we want to thank you so much for praying for us you know it's really interesting mm-hmm. we've been at it now this is the fifth calendar year but this would be the fourth year technically yeah. when we uh roll over to sometime in april i can't remember the exact date in april probably it'll be our yeah, the fifth will be sure. our four-year anniversary of yeah. the actual show. I I really do. I was yeah, like, that the, might be it, and it, it just so happens. Yeah, that. that we get to have a really cool show on the fifth as well. We'll do two programs, yeah. but yeah, yeah. So, so there, yeah, you got really a good slide, one. right? I do. Oh have a man! Slide. So just to let you guys know, you guys know about Baptist and Reformed Publishing. You know about. A book that's coming out, written by our buddy Dave over here. Forward so, by, by Adam Cochran. Yeah, I, I wrote a little Endorsed bit Endorsed by Don Vinoy and Rob Phillips and Will Hoffman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got some good stuff. So here, is, here it is. I'm just going to shoot it on up there, is making sure I get my buttons right here. But right oh, here, man. That, wow, and there we are. We're yeah. still like beside it. Did yes. God stutter? Did God stutter? And this is, we are officially calling it. It's going to be released on April 5th. April 5th. It will be be available on Amazon for download. It will be available on Amazon for you to purchase in the hard copy. Likewise, you can purchase a hard copy from the Tagurit website. And we will also have a function where we will allow you to make a donation and we will send you a PDF for you to download for yeah. a donation. So it'll be available in four different ways for you. Um, we are excited mm-hmm. to do that. Adam was extremely helpful and patient with me. It's been a longer process than I thought it would be. I had a lot of um, a lot of help from a lot of really uh, encouraging individuals. So I'm grateful to be able to put it out there and I think it'll be fun for individuals to read. So thank you. Uh, as you pray for us, we are grateful and as we are able to produce material that'll be useful to the church we actually have two other books that we will have out uh by bnr before too long yeah and so so we're excited about that as well yeah so i've got a a buddy that we all have had on this show um that uh propositioned me saying hey this uh baptist and reform publishing thing's pretty cool i've got something written and so you know there's a possible like so we've got this did god stutter um, we also have a paper that Dave and I had been working on about engaging the Areopagus or the new Areopagus that will be out. So that's two books. And now we have a third, um, which will be dealing with God and government and Romans 13. So we'll leave it up in the air as who do you believe 
has been on the show talked about that and uh, is going and has a book that uh, we're going to slap this B and R label on and promote and uh, we'll save that for a later episode but we do yes. have uh, three books and then I uh, just want to say Gabriel Zalea we talked about it on the show so now you've got to be our fourth book and talking about presuppositions and worship music and how to lead people and what all this stuff means the totals um of the parts and pieces the facets and the diamonds so you know so it's really awesome to have uh this ministry and it's already caught the eyes of some people and we hope that this again edifies the saints that we are able to produce something that uh, is of worth that god um is pleased by so that's the only reason why we're doing this and you know it's, it's uh, not a yeah. money-making industry yeah. if, it, if it helps to promote the, if it, it helps to sustain the podcast that's all that we're after uh we've worked hard with individuals on writing projects and we're excited to continue i mean we do have a few other little things in the works but uh we are excited to get to finally after four years actually have something that is officially uh Tagurit or baptist and reform publishing and mm -hmm. if you are interested in listening to the podcast and you would like to submit a work that you think would be helpful as a tool to uh defend the faith once delivered please message us and we would be more than happy to yeah, get we're, that we're, out we'll too. even do pamphlets it's it's one of those things that you know right. it doesn't have to be so big we want to we want to publish things from people who study who love God's word, who want to share God's word, you know, in a, in a uh, written form. So submit stuff. We want to read it. We want to learn from you as well. We want to utilize these things and make, um, you know, not only books, but more podcasts, debates, um, speaking engagements and all that kind of stuff. We want to cultivate this ministry that uh, we, again, as Dave said, and as uh, we've mentioned is been four years and uh, oh gosh man fifth, four years so far, almost so. 200 episodes isn't yeah, that right i think yeah we're in the we're in the 180s right now so we're <laughs> we're keeping up with the podcast ah, <laughs> so, <there> you go. <laughs> uh, pretty pretty well anyway so um but yeah so for not being douglas wilson we're we're hanging in there there you go there so, you go yeah plodding along in our own little way but well uh, yeah. now to our show topics again you know the goal is always to assess cultural uh, artifacts and to critique them according to a Christian worldview so that we can not only train ourselves but encourage others to be trained in defending a Christian worldview and thinking through the lens of Scripture as you deal with culture, and that's our goal. So mm -hmm. we have a few different ways to do that. Yeah, yeah. So um, tonight um, we have like a story. So this isn't a meme. We're going to put it up, but it's not meme theology yet. So I know if you uh, are on the live cast and you like saw us on there, um, we are not promoting a meme yet. We do have the meme. Yes. And it's going to be the last thing that we do anyway. Yes. So I can't but, wait. Yeah. <laughs> but is... anyway, um, there was a uh, story um, in, in a image that I read, and it was shared uh, again on, I saw it on the timeline. So again, your timelines are full of stuff that you can utilize to speak into and speak the gospel into and be the apologist because you can see what other people believe, what other people enjoy and be like, wait a second, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't, you know, and, and be able to engage in a very gentle and respectful way um, what people say, what people like, and uh, be able to bring those conversations to the gospel um, no matter where you're at and how you start a conversation with somebody. And so what I wanted to share tonight was something um, of a story, and it's a, a Hasid, I guess it's a Hasidic story is uh, from what it's um, at least what it says anyway so um we and can hasidic yeah. judaism just to be very brief if you're not familiar with it we're not super familiar with it either right off the top but from our reading and we did spend time reading mm -hmm. um, the great research mechanism that is wikipedia essentially to condense it uh, hasidic judaism is essentially a fairly new sect of judaism by new i mean start of the 19th century that really focuses in on the eminence of god mm -hmm. and they essentially have this very new uh push for the freedom of man and the autonomy of man and so adam you are a better reader than me because yes, you heard yes. me you had to hear me read <laughs> <laughs> that's right i can totally read the story so again um i hope that uh, whoever i got this from 
um, pays attention to this show and actually gets on this show anyway. Um, but I wanted to utilize this and uh, read it for you guys and then have Dave and I be able to break this down and speak the gospel into it. So um, the story is called, Why Did God Create Atheists? So here's the story. There is a famous story told in Hasidic literature that addresses this very question. The master teaches the student that God created everything in the world to be appreciated since everything is here to teach us a lesson. So one clever student asks, what lesson can we learn from atheists? Why did God create them? The master responds, God created atheists to teach us the most important lesson of them all, the lesson of true compassion. You see, when an atheist performs an act of charity, visits someone who is sick, helps someone in need, and cares for the world, he is not doing so because of some religious teaching. He does not believe that God commanded him to perform this act. In fact, he does not believe in God at all, so his acts are based on an inner sense of morality. And look at the kindness that he can bestow upon others simply because he feels it to be right. This means, the master continued, that when someone reaches out to you for help, you should never say, I pray that God will help you. Instead, the moment you should become an atheist, imagine there is no God who can help and say, I will help you. Yes, this is painful. But again, this has to be spiritually discerned by someone who possesses a heart that was given to him by God and regenerated by Holy Spirit and trust in the word of God as he has revealed himself and has and gives you the information that you need to know and that he wants you to know to be able to assess this. But um, sounds like a sounds like a nice so, heartfelt fuzzy story that, you know, a few lot of people things would share that but. I'm always telling my students when we deal with cultural artifacts is what is the narrative? What is the story? Like, what's the argument that the story is making? And it's essentially making this argument, you should act because God won't act. Be that God. In other words, we don't know if God exists, so you should do something about it. If there's a change, you should fix it. In other words, and that seems to be the argument it is, look, your morality should be based on doing something for others for the good of others yeah yeah does that make sense i mean just to break the narrative down it's like you should act as if there isn't a god yeah it's telling that's the argument i think yeah Yeah, it's telling it's telling you to be altruistic that no matter what you have an inner sense of right and wrong do it and you know what atheists teach us is again that apparently uh, the worldview behind this is totally messed up but it tells you that, you know, it says that atheists are doing things selflessly. It's trying to make you feel like you are doing something selfless. So the first thing I would say is, again, the argument to me is act as if yeah. there isn't a God. Yeah. Act as if there isn't a God. There is an assumption yeah. anyways that you can act morally as if there isn't a God. So if you're worldview is that god does not exist then the motivation should be oh well i did something good so what maybe the better thing to do was to steal from that person's pocket so that you can go and actually feed your family or do something for your family not help the person the atheist worldview again fails to provide the reason for why you should do anything and then it can't even account for what is morally right and what is morally wrong so i don't know if we kind of break some of this down line by line I mean, the line by line, the question, the question could be totally answered completely different. <laughs> so, the you know, if somebody were to come to me, um, what is the lesson we learned from atheists? Why did God create them? My question is, did he? Did he create atheists? I think that that's a very good argument. And the fact that, no, it says in scripture that everyone recognizes that God exists. You're just suppressing the truth. Now, if you were to say that God created people with hearts of stone, well, that is a consequence of the sin that Adam, again, cursed uh, God cursed man with. And mm-hmm. so, did God create atheists? No, God created individuals who and people who recognize him by the fact that they can see creation and the reality that he's impressed himself upon their heart mm-hmm. excellent yeah i mean yeah, i so. didn't even think to begin to ask that question why did god create atheists did god create atheists yeah what lesson can we learn from them well if he didn't create them 
then you know and if everybody so everybody knows that god exists then why are they doing what they're doing so i have a few issues again with the fact that this is of course trying to appeal to the authority of hasidic literature right yeah so what is that supposed to mean well this is a sect of the jewish faith that is fairly new and again bases a lot on the autonomy of man Mm -hmm. so my first problem is who cares who said it like there's this uh very empty appeal to all because this comes from hasidic literature it's super spiritual so we should somehow honor a group of individuals who reject christ and are mystics that's again part of the argument here yeah. in the way that it's portrayed. I don't even think that this ver- that this pl- that this book actually exists. By the way, I didn't go looking. Tales of Hasidicism, Volume Two by Mar. Yeah. I don't know if that's a real book. By the way, it would not be wrong for an atheist in their own worldview to just make up some story. By the way, yeah, yeah. But so there's supposed to be some deep truth in the way that we read this. So mm-hmm. the master teacher says to the student again god created everything in the world to be appreciated no false that's not even a jewish position by the way yeah god didn't create everything in the world to be appreciated god created everything in the world to glorify himself yeah so if this is even hasidic it isn't consistent with what the jewish faith believes even jews today who are rejectors of the messiah do not think that that is the case it's very clear that god does whatever he pleases it's Mm -hmm. very clear in psalms so that's not even a true statement about jews to begin with Mm -hmm. and so yeah so uh it still begs the question that uh, they're atheists that's you know we we can't even i mean you can't even start to talk we can't even start to deal with this until somebody asks did god actually create atheists and so whenever you get into the story that they would have to believe again he created adam and eve in his image male and female he created them to be like them gave them dominion spoke to them and so basically if you start with adam and eve information gets passed down from generation to generation we know this is oral tradition too right yes um they know positively from tradition that god exists that's right and then we also know that they are created they it seems like for some reason when we talk about man we separate man from creation no we are creatures yeah and so if god created us in the image if we are created and everything is reflecting the glory of god then we reflect the glory of God, so it is in us as well. And again, this comports with Old Testament, New Testament together, um, that there is no such thing as an atheist. So, you know, you can't even start. And so then everything from here goes on to assume that atheists actually exist. So the first problem, again, is the answer is, did God create atheists? God created every man with a knowledge that he is true that's what it tells us in psalms that's what it tells us in the new testament it's it's very clear but here's the other issue if this is really hasidic literature which i doubt that it is the individual speaking is being inconsistent with his worldview when he says that god made everything in the world to be appreciated false the next thing since everything is here to teach us a lesson false that's not what everything exists for it says very clear everything that is not man god is to have dominion or man is to have dominion over not to learn a lesson from there's not even a consistency within the worldview of a hasidic jew yeah you have to completely dismiss it on that very very beginning yeah so yeah the whole lesson idea says that you know god he's out here we don't really know him but we we're just going to assert that we're learning lessons about who he is and what things are and how he created things with so again here's where you exalt reason over revelation um and then the fideist would exalt uh um it would it would exalt revelation over reason down here to where where we're trying to go they run together you know equally ultimate is the positive revelation of god and nature that he created and they exist co-equally as both ultimate this is the one in many issue the one and the many are both ultimate <laughs> you know the one and three of god and and everything and so again learning a lesson here um, is the presupposition of autonomy that we are learning it and it also presupposes that compassion is good yeah without actually arguing for it or that so. humans have dignity 
mm-hmm. because again, the atheist does not have that position. And if this uh, Hasidic Jew is being consistent at all, when the clever student asks, what lesson can we learn from the atheist? Why did God create them? First thing is, what lesson can we learn from the atheist? We can learn, if someone denies God, that they are foolish. Mm-hmm. Again, going to Jewish literature, your favorite Proverbs, well, first of all, not that. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Oh, wait, that's what we should learn. They're foolish. But mm-hmm. likewise, do not answer a fool according to his folly. Answer a fool according to his folly. Right? Yep. And this person is answering a fool according to the folly. Yes. And becoming just like them. Yes. <laughs> this is this is example so, 24, <laughs> Proverbs 24, verse 4. Jew is not being consistent. Yeah. This is a great ex- lesson of what happens when you're inconsistent with your worldview. Or when you pretend to write something about someone from a worldview that you don't actually have. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because this would not be the position or the way that a rabbi in a Hasidic community would again even answer this because he submits the authority of god's word right all Mm -hmm. of the the old testament of course the torah right he would submit to that and the torah actually would teach very clearly wait a second what lesson can we learn that they're a fool Mm -hmm. because they have said in their own heart there is no god and likewise you should answer that fool who says that according to their folly yeah yeah. and not answer them according to their folly yeah and also um you know here it says he is not doing these good things this atheist wouldn't be doing things uh, because of some religious teaching i'm here to tell you everybody has faith yes everybody is doing it something religiously the scientific method is religious because it cannot prove the uniformity of nature so it has to start there because if without the uniformity of nature you can't do science now we can make sense of that from our worldview from the same old testament texts to noah God promises it, and we can believe God's promise. He is the all-knowing God who has revealed himself. He is the one that decreed nature, and he's the one that decrees that it is uniform. And so we can place that, and we have room for the uniformity, not uniformitarianism, but uniformity of nature, that we have a justifiability of using the scientific method. But if you don't have God, as the atheist doesn't have can't prove uniformity therefore you are actually blind faith yes you are doing what you're doing blindly and presupposing the uniformity of nature whenever you do science so therefore in morality yeah well and then yeah. here's the, the next piece I, I just love this the master response god created atheists to teach us the most important lesson of them all stop right there so the Jewish rabbi or the master yeah. here, the teacher, is going to now tell the student the most important lesson. Well, according to the Jewish faith, what is the most important lesson of all? Here, Israel, your Lord, your God is one God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is the most it's important true. lesson of all for the Jew. Yeah. God is one God. That is, you should have no other gods before me. Mm-hmm. There you go. But what does he now say the most important lesson of them all is? Compassion. The lesson of true compassion. Yeah. Which you can't make sense of compassion or why it's even. So it's it's almost like with the atheist, it's like, so what? So so what if, you know, there's no definition of what noble is. Oh, look how noble you are in a world where this doesn't. And it's one of those things like, okay, like say I'm the benefactor of the help of the atheist. Well, if they believe in naturalism, it's like wait a second i should actually believe why are you helping me yes exactly i should be scared of that because if they're helping me there's some strings attached always you know it's presupposing that they there's actually uh, this is i guess it would be randian um objectivism here Mm -hmm. um that would be and because it's all about the ego it's all about you and your survival and all that stuff you know why do tree roots grow over other tree uh, other plants and all because they have needs that need to be met and so here we go survival of the fittest right and so the if if god is not the object then man is the object but then we have incoherent in particulars and anarchy ensues and chaos and so again in chaos why does it even matter why does true compassion matter? And really, you shouldn't be thinking that an act of compassion is an act well, of compassion. Is charity? It's an act of now you owe that atheist because he might have helped you. Again, what is the definition of charity? Mm-hmm. 
Is it the Jewish definition of charity? That's different than the atheist definition of charity. Mm-hmm. When they say, again, he's not doing this because of some religious teaching, again, the atheist is always religious. Their religion is suppressing the mm-hmm. truth and unrighteousness, and their particular form of doing it is their outright hatred for God in saying that he does not exist. He does not believe that God commands him to perform this act. Here's the thing. The atheist actually doesn't have to believe that, but because he cannot suppress the truth that there is inherent value within humanity, he desires to see that value celebrated. Actually, because the atheist sees the image of God in humanity, he values it above other life forms and above other things. And because he cannot suppress that truth and unrighteousness, because that keeps popping up, I got to care for people. I have to have compassion for people. I need to do things for human beings because... Because they're more than protoplasm. They're more than a bag of, of material and, and electrons and protons clanging around. I've got to do something. Because the atheist can't actually continue in that religion of denying God, they do something and that's what motivates them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love it when, you know, I just watched David Silverman and James White's debate uh, about. Uh, gosh, I can't remember, the New Testament is evil. And David Silverman says, I don't believe that babies are bags of protoplasm. And he's like, of course you don't. Yeah, we agree with you you that you don't believe that. act consistently Mm -hmm. with what you're standing on, quicksand quotients, you'll fall through every time. Yeah, yeah. The issue is, this is an argument. And, you know, I always tell my students in my persuasion class, right? All communication is argument. And if you don't agree with me, it's just a bad argument that isn't going to persuade me. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a real you know, a statement. Human communication foundationally is argument. This is an argument. It's not written by Hasidic Jews. I doubt that it is. And if it is, it's probably been manipulated. I, I, I mean, I haven't gone to the trouble of looking it up because I actually don't even think it's worth it, right? My issue, though, is that there is an argument that would be inconsistent with the Hasidic Hasidic (laughs) Jews' worldview, and it's its story, it's a narrative to try to argue and contend for. See, look how smart and how good and how loving and how kind the atheist is. And you stupid Christians and you stupid people who believe in God, you see, we're more righteous than you because we're not worried about any moral standard except the true one that we know that's written in our heart. And we're like, yes, of course it's written in your heart. And so this was shared from somebody that has already admitted that there is no transcendent standard by which to be to to judge between me and them so they can act superior but there's no way they they can be different but then again we have incoherence between two particulars because there is no standard to judge between us so there can't be any moral superiority here that's right right so they they can't be look at me and then that's when it turns into they're doing these acts just like the people that the Tower of Babel, they were doing what God commanded and taking dominion as God commanded. So you can, hey, look, these people are building a city. Look, they're they're surviving. They're they're happy and they're look at look at them taking dominion. God asked for dominion. Wait a second, they're in one spot, right? They're all together in one area. He told them to go out, but they're in one land together, and then they're building an altar for themselves exalting themselves so again you can do all the nice actions you want but you can do those nice actions in suppression to go look at me look at me look at me and this was what the pharisees were doing they were praying on the street corners to get attention they got their reward their reward was the attention of the people that they had at the time until everything came crumbling down until christ appeared through the people, through the through Rome, through all the other guys that were living there, and they came in and took the city, killing everybody. So you know that was actually what they got for all the blood of the prophets and stuff um, that came before. 
and ended up killing Christ and rejecting him. So the only difference between us is definitely Jesus plus, you know, real (laughs) Jewish documents and real Jewish stories um, that Jesus agrees with and explains. This means, the master continued, that when someone reaches out to you for help, you should never say, I pray that God will help you. False. The Jewish faith would always say, pray. And if you're going to try to compare this to a Christian, Christians are commanded to pray without ceasing. Prayer actually does something. It changes us. Yeah. It comports, it causes us to be changed and our will be in comprehension with or to uh, compare to or comport to God's will. We want God's will more than we want ours. It changes us. Mm-hmm. No Jew would say, no, don't pray for people. Well, that's a direct disobedient well, command. Yeah, this is a straw man for one. So whenever I say I'm praying that I'm praying for you, I'm praying that God would help you and all those kind of things, it, it's, it's a straw man and it's a false dichotomy that people only say, I'm praying for and they don't do anything. So this is just straight out of just somebody's anger against something. This is not an actual well thought out of critical understanding of, I will pray for you and guess what? I will do what I can. That's right. With the gifts given to me at the opportunity that I have. So this is a straw man. This is just prejudice coming out the wazoo of it. Um, But yes, I will pray for you and... I will do something and it, yeah, God has commanded it, but God has put it in here. This is why the atheist has the feelings because we know in Romans two, it talks about that. It talks about right, right after the suppression of the truth and all that kind of stuff. The reason why people do good things still is because of the law that's written on them because why they're made in the image. They know God exists. They don't do any good before then. Yeah. I mean, like, but in a they, righteous way. Yeah, but they do good things that we see. I mean, we're talking about objectivity and subjectivity. Subjectively, I can see somebody do something. So I can help old lady across the street um, to, you know. I've never helped an old some, lady you know, across the street, by the way. CPR on the side of the road. You know, like, atheists <laughs> can do that. You know, <laughs> why, or, you know, it's like Saitan Brueggen takes, Kate, talks about, you know, why would I let an atheist still give me heart surgery? It's because they know. Yeah. You know, of course, they're suppressing the truth. They can still do good. But the thing is, it'll end up biting them in the end because they've done everything actually for themselves and for their own building up their own. I am God and uh, not actually being thankful and grateful for the God who created them and gave them the mental capacities to do these things. And so then he says this. This is an interesting argument. When someone reaches out to you for help, you should never say, God, I pray God will help you. Okay, that's an interesting piece. Instead, for the moment, you should become an atheist. Stop right there. Why should I become an for atheist? For the moment, you should say, there is no God. If I say there is no God, yeah. then any desire or any consistently any reason that you would do anything for a person No, no. If I'm looking at a person who is in need, and I say, I'm not going to become an atheist, but I want to live consistent with my worldview, I should kick them in the face and steal their wallet. Mm -hmm. And you might say... It's really, it's one of those things, like, then, if you pretend pretend you're an atheist, then, and in this sense, then you can do whatever you want. And so, it's not just kick them in the face and steal their wallet. You can still do the nice thing, and guess what? It doesn't matter. So, what? So what? You, did you build your self-esteem? Is it all about you? Again, yes. yes. Who becomes your master. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Imagine that there is no God who can help and say, I will help you. I guess my issue is, this is obviously a false dichotomy. Obviously, there's yeah. an element of straw man here as well. Because the Christian should actually say, I have been renewed in my mind in mm-hmm. Christ and a new creation. Actually, I have not only a reason to do this, I want to glorify God. This is beyond me, and I'm also honoring my God by uh, encouraging the image of God in this person, by helping the image of God in this person. Again, human flourishing does not exist in a consistent way in an atheist universe. Why does human flourishing matter? 
Yeah. The only flourishing that should matter is my genetic code getting out to as many individuals as I can get it out to. Mm-hmm. It's the mm-hmm. best thing I can do, yeah. according to that worldview. Yeah. So interesting yeah. little narrative. I'm glad that we spent some time on yeah, it. And that's I always enjoy you know. getting to speak about things like that. I hope I didn't give up, didn't take up too much time for us to not oh, no. get no. to our nice. Oh, we are good. We're going oh, we to get so much time to on get the, get the meme theology. I, I did not think that that was going to, uh, we we're going to get to unpack that like that, yeah. but I'm glad we did. So it's one of those things that why did God create atheists? No, he didn't. They're atheists because they hate him. And yet, God lets them live for a while, and while he lets them live, for the sake of the elect, it, by the way, um, you know, he lets them live, and they get to enjoy the benefits and steal everything from him, enjoying the little bit of reward that they get, because this is as close as heaven as they're going to get, but they're, one day they're going to, the scales are going to fall off, and they're going to be like, yes, I knew the whole time, and I hate you, and that's when they're separated forever, and that's, you know, that's, that's heartbreaking. But when it comes down to just let's analyze this, you know, that's this is the way it is. God has spoken. Um, we are created beings. He is the creator. There's a created creator created distinction. There's condescension between the creator and the created. That's what this um, forgets. And all, ultimately, it forgets Jesus Christ, who is the covenant, that's who right. is the image of the nature of God and who has came and ultimately in, in, in his fullness we see the father if we have seen him that's right and so you know be this real or not we can still deal with it as if it is and just show you this is not a good warm fuzzy heart it's real to story. someone <laughs> yeah it's real to them but you know atheists think they're atheists so <laughs> you know so anyway um, we'll move on and we have not done mean theology for a while i know and so it's been I, I we have not done it this year that's for sure and here we are at the end of sure. february yeah so i'm guessing with that said we are going to go straight into the meme theology studio <laughs> All right, here is the Meme Theology Studio, and this is what we have. We've got a meme. I and am excited. It's a bumper to sticker. Look at this meme. I've heard people talk about this before, by the way, like lots of times. Yeah, and in so in fact, this exact statement has yeah. been given to me. Yeah, so we're not just picking on atheists. We're talking about people who would profess Jesus Christ Many as Lord and who Savior. Would call themselves evangelicals. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, and, I would say that it is. People who I have gone to church with even have worn a t-shirt if they did not have this bumper sticker. Now, remember, a meme has a nice, very uh, dynamic, uh, very dynamic uh, definition, Yeah. right? Uh, it is essentially text that makes an argument yeah. in a way that's not a usually a full book. So, yeah. you read the last one. You want me to read this one? Go for it. Only two defining forces have ever offered to die for you, Jesus Christ and the American soldier. One died for your soul, the other for your freedom. I am a veteran. So, before you say that we're being disrespectful to veterans, no, not even close. No desire to belittle any veteran. Your father, Vietnam veteran, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, pretty big deal. Like, we certainly honor our veterans. But we have a pretty serious issue here. Yeah, yeah. We can't, uh, you know, it, it would be dishonoring to veterans, really, if we did not get the gospel right. That's right. And uh, whenever you're equating the death of a soldier, a human being, to the atoning death of Jesus Christ, for one, that should be a no-no. If you are making a comparison between your salvation and your living in this world you have made a massive mistake you have made a categorical mistake you you have set the god of creation and the redeemer beside human beings you are worshiping the creation instead of the creator or at least paralleling the two and that is massively offensive to anyone who knows the name of christ and this kind of stuff needs to be removed from a, tr a truck like this and if you have a t-shirt like this you need to throw it in the trash because this is blasphemy 
Yeah, yeah. And so it's one of those things. This is ultimately exalting the idol of a false freedom. And so um, only two defining forces have ever offered to die for you. And so, yes. Defining yeah, forces. Defining. Yes, we have Christ. And I, it's, who's reading this for one? So what is the audience and can this be applied to everybody? There's so defining many problems. Defining force. Yeah. God, Jesus Christ is a defining force. Yeah. That is not Christianity. There no. is not one reference in all of scripture that calls Jesus Christ a defining force. You know what? Jesus has, and God has many names, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Adonai, uh, Jehovah Jireh, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you can go through the massive list. Defining force is never. Jesus is a person, mm-hmm. one person in the triune being that is God. Yeah. We have one God who exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. No Orthodox cons- confessions have ever called Jesus Christ a force. Yeah. Heck, Jehovah Witnesses don't even get that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, it's one of those things whenever we try to be poetic. Mm. I mean, that's probably would be it'd be some sort of just way to 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 emotionally bring you in poetically. Um, but again, if we're making a statement of Jesus, especially if you're going to put on your bumper and you're trying to use this to uh, preach the gospel to people, even in just a short, memeable way on the back of your truck, this is, again, not right. Um, but here it says only two defining forces have ever offered, offered to die for you. Offered to die for yeah. you. So do you just offer? Not, not according to scripture. Again, John chapter 10, verse 11. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Not makes an offer. Yeah. Nothing in scripture says here's an offer of salvation. That is false and in contradiction to scripture again making a terrible parallel between a soldier and salvation but christ is not making an offer by the way and i would likewise say uh, a soldier is not making an offer to die for you they're swearing allegiance to the constitution Mm -hmm. to protect an individual's right to freedom to me disrespectful on both sides of the coin yeah yeah really and so, yeah, Jesus Christ and the American soldier are these two, and one died for your soul, and one died, or the other, for your freedom. And What if you're not American? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if you're not American? This only, yeah, this works, I guess, in America. So, it's one of those things. Why do people have an idea of Christian nationalism? Right there. Bam. Right there. That meme, right there. We need to stop it. Yes. Okay. Now. Don't want to neglect anything from a soldier that goes, I want to protect the Constitution. Amen. We we thank you for your service if you actually want to protect the Constitution. And we will rally behind you. And we hope that if a president or a general ever tells you to do something, that you would interpose. That's right. We will teach um, interposition. And even you know if they say, Hey, we need to like, cause we're getting into those conversations to oh, yeah. where the state, um, will start doing things. And, uh, if, if you're a soldier in the national guard and say America wants to make sure that churches don't meet for COVID reasons, um, that you would protect the constitution and you would put the gun in their face saying, no, the, the, the I'm constitution glad you tells said me, that. right. <laughs> Okay, so that's that's where we would say thank you, and we will rally behind you, and uh, we will, you know, do what we can as Christians to support people who turn against the government whenever they do not um, wield the sword against the evil doer, as according to the law of God, right. and reward those who are good according to the law of God. Okay, but then again, we cannot equivocate the soldier to Jesus Christ, the salvation, um, the saving of the constitution the preserving of the conversation constitution the preserve the preserving of the nation cannot equal this now it can it's only because of jesus christ that we do fight it's only because of jesus christ that we do care and love our neighbor by being jealous for their freedoms in that sense but again we cannot equivocate jesus and a soldier lastly here um you know for me is the one died for your soul the other died for your freedom. I don't, I think there, there's a guy named Jesus who came from heaven speaking the words of the one who sent him, who said, if the son sets you free, 
you are free indeed. That's right. So Jesus didn't die for your freedom. And without his dying for your freedom, guess what? Your American freedom doesn't mean anything. Again, there's a really, what we say matters, Mm -hmm. right? So here I am, I am getting ready to start week seven in my logic class, right? The last seven weeks, we have done nothing, and we are on chapter 17 of that book, right? Mm -hmm. We have done nothing for these seven weeks but talk about terms, words, definitions, types of definitions, genus and species. We've talked about statements, the types of statements that there are, the types of categorical statements there are. Words have meaning. Christians need to be careful with our words. We need to be careful with our words, right? Like, one of the things that's probably the most bothersome thing about me uh, when I'm getting ready to preach is, God, protect me from not saying something wrong, saying Mm. something that someone can misconstrue, because what I'm saying is so important. Right here, if you truly fear the Lord, I mean this very sincerely, when you say, Christ died for your soul, You need to be really careful about that. Why did Christ die as a propitiation Mm -hmm. for our sins? Now, Christ didn't die for your soul. Christ died to save your soul, Mm -hmm. but not just your soul, you. You. He came to redeem you, body, mind, and physical and and spirit if you're a person who believes in the three or if you're a spirit body whatever your position is on that right christ died to redeem you not to just save your soul no christ died as a propitiation to pay for your sins and to say this is to be incredibly uh careless with a theological statement and to me it's shameful to say, and someone might say to you, Dave, would you really say something if you saw someone wearing this in your church? I would, church, I'd say, yes. I would say, look, brother, there's a few things that you need to do here. Number one, you need to recognize that Jesus is not a force. Jesus is a person, right? He didn't offer to die for you. He did not make an offer. He chose you. He elected you. He predestined you. Mm-hmm. He didn't die for your soul. He died to pay for your sins, mm-hmm. to redeem you. Redeeming the whole man. And this would be even be recognized in the, uh, the, uh, the Baptist faith and message. That's the language it even use, utilizes. So we can't be Gnostic and think that this is all bad. We ruined it. It's bad. But Jesus came to redeem creation. And that includes your body. That include you're we're going to get resurrected re- resurrection bodies right we're going to have glorified bodies yes. just like jesus had he said so and we can rest in that promise so again there's a lot more freedom that we have than america's constitution could ever give compared to christ's freedom that he gives us from our sins uh, but see the the thing is again this is what happens whenever you do sentimental theology that's right yes you want to honor soldiers Certainly. Yes, you know, we, and, and the Bible does tell us to honor those in authority. That's right. That they deserve honor because of the work that they do um, and their certain role and their certain gift and their certain jurisdiction. But we also need to make sure that we're giving clear messages, especially, you know, because this one recognizes I need to talk about Jesus right here. I need to talk about Jesus whenever I talk about this. But then because of sentimentality, misses the mark huge well and, and that's such a i don't want to go long but there's something that i really have to say like you you hit on that sentimental theology adam like we'll have people say all the time oh, i don't want to talk about that doctrine i mean you remember in 2019 yeah 2019 we were down in branson that guy was like oh, doctrine's bad and i'm yeah. not trying to make fun of that guy why in the world did you say that and then look at a shirt like this and be like, oh, that's good. Because you know that that's the same mentality. I'm not trying to be mean. Yeah, they can. It, this is a doctrinal yeah. statement. It's a incredibly misled doctrinal statement that cultural Christianity 
will say is so good. To me, this is a wicked statement. Mm-hmm. Because it says things that aren't true about my God. And you might say, oh, you're splitting hairs. No, I care about the God who saved me in Christ Jesus, the one who redeemed me. And I don't want you to conflate or ever set what he did beside what a soldier did. As much as I admire any soldier that has, any soldier who has made, who has made taken the oath, and whether they went to, to war or not, they raised their hand, male or female, raised their hand, fulfilled their commitment, they did something really good. And we can celebrate that. But it should never be compared to salvation. This Mm -mm. diminishes our understanding of who Jesus is because it doesn't present any doctrinal truth. Because if if Jesus just died here for your soul, this is the ticket punch out of hell card. The soldier died for your freedom. Jesus just died for your soul. This is from that style of thinking and, and theology that Jesus punches your ticket into heaven. No, no, and this is one of those things, again, if it doesn't talk about Jesus freeing you, then your American freedom doesn't matter. No. If, if, you are not, if you are still in your sin, what is your freedom? If, if you can actually live... You're a slave to sin. Yeah, if you can live free in America and be happy about that without what Jesus has done for you and made you free from, then that's major, major issue that needs to be discussed. Yeah. Yeah, so again, this is uh, this is why people think there is Christian nationalism. It's just nationalism that's syncretized. And so again, whenever we uh, had talked about that uh, that uh, Springsteen commercial, yeah, this is the stuff that ensues from that. That was so much fun, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I mean that because that speaks much. Yeah. Now, um, I mean, I guess from an aside, I, I don't want to go that far tonight. We can, <laughs> we can. It might come up later in another show. But you know, this is this is why people think Christian nationalism exists. This is why it's hard for Dave and I to talk to, uh, like, say, atheists and and all the all the people that hate Christianity and argue against it all the time because they'll say, "Look, Christian nationalism, Christian nationalism," and we go. No, that's just nationalism. And they go, but it's Christian. It has Jesus in it. No, that you, you're still not being critical enough. <laughs> and uh, you're still trying to figure out a way to put Christian on there so you can say Christian bad. No, this is a nationalist syncretization with Jesus Christ, with any sort of Christianity. This is uh, u- utilizing church imagery while giving an unchristian message uh, behind it. So, um Again, think before you meme, think before you slap things on the back of your truck, <laughs> you know, I like that. Yeah. So, um, then, so this has been our meme theology for, uh, 2021. So I, I'm, I'm not sure if we did meme theology yet. Anyway, you said, no, not. I don't think we've yeah, done so, one this year. Yeah, I think we, this is the first one, man. All right. So yeah, the first meme theology of 2021, we did it. So we'll get some more up in the future, I'm sure. But yeah, we have gone long, Dave. And guys, thank you again oh, for being I'm on the live cast. Um, thank you again, everybody that downloads this podcast. Yes. And, thank you for your um, prayers and always. encouragement. And uh, we just are so grateful, man, four years, you know, at this time, I was just probably finishing up or starting my speech. Yeah. 707. So there was all that long yeah. and, and, you know, whatever before yeah. it. Yeah, so. so awesome. Well, guys, thank you again. And so, with that said, this is the Tag Your It podcast. I am Ray Ray. And I'm Dave. And solely Deo Gloria.